0: Welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Vazil, and this is a show where I get to talk about sports, I get to talk about business, and I get to talk about everything in between. Today, my incredible guest, I have Dave Raymond of Raymond Entertainment. He's the author of The Power of Fun. He is a speaker, he is a trainer, and he is the original
1: Philly fanatic. Dave, how are you doing today? Good, Michael. I'm, uh, this is exciting. I um, have been doing quite a few podcasts, but when it came up as The Love of Sports, Um, nothing could be more authentic in my life than the love of sports because everything that I've done in my career is because of the platform and the springboard that sports provided me. So, you know, I know I know you're a sport enthusiast. Maybe not so much for Philadelphia sports, but that's another thing we could talk about. We'll get there. Uh, But we all live in that wonderful environment. One hundred percent. But watching the Eagles lose is probably
0: my favorite thing about sports. So uh, we'll get there, though. We'll get there. So, Dave, as you said. The, authentic- the authenticity of For the Love of Sports. I do this because I love it. I do this because I love sports and everything that I'm doing moving forward. I try and tie back to sports at a very minimum. So the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much?
1: Oh, it, well, it, it's, it's my DNA. Um, I, I grew up as a young boy um, watching my hero, wanting to be my hero, wanted to play football for my hero, and it was my father uh, Tubby Raymond, who, you know, he came to Delaware shortly after he came to Delaware. I was born um, in 1956, and he remained at Delaware for his entire career. For 50 years, he was there, 36 years as the head football coach. And so, you know, winning, Michael, or a game of sport was not anything to do with our reality. It was, we had to win, Because if we didn't win, then, you know, my dad was going to have to leave Newark, Delaware and go somewhere else. So you can imagine the passion, the anxiety, the energy that was put into uh, Delaware football. And they were my heroes. I I, I love Major League Baseball. I was a huge Phillies fan because my dad started his career in baseball and played college baseball for Michigan. So that it was, it's my DNA. I mean, there's no, I, I lost so many girlfriends over the years because when they would say, well, it's just a game done, gone mm. out, you know, and, and that's the way, you know, my friends and, and my relationships were all um, with a backdrop of sports. And of course I played, I was an athlete. Um, I was small and slow, uh, but I was able to overcome that because I was, I had what, what one of my attorneys calls piss and vinegar, Mm. uh, in my, in my, which small, you know, people with small man's uh, syndrome, that's part of what they, they do is they fight and dig and scratch. So, um, you know, I, I, I would not be here if it were not for sports. 100%.
0: And I mean, Hey, it's, it's a Thursday end of January, you've pretty much peaked coming on this show as well. So just congratulations. <laughs> sincerely, Actually, congratulations. I agree. That. I, <laughs>
1: way, yeah.
0: Of course, I'm just kidding. But no, sincerely, I think, you know, obviously sports has brought so much to so many people in, in one way, shape or form, whether it's the ability to kind of turn off the rest of the world, as we thankfully have been able to do a little bit during this pandemic when sports were able to come back. But I also think it, it, it affords us the opportunity to be a part of something. Uh, right, you. I can go to a bar, I can see someone in a, in a Saquon jersey and I can immediately be friends with them and ask them questions we can have a conversation, have a full-blown conversation and not even know each other's names, right? And I think sports offers that from the fan stamp, standpoint, but obviously from the coaching standpoint, like where your father came from, obviously the discipline, the hard work, time management and, and playing as you did, all those things come from it. And you can, at a minimum, take what you learned in sports and push it forward through the rest of your life, whether that's high school, college, beyond into into your career if it's unfortunately not within sports and one of your first jobs which i think is pretty fantastic you were were you so you were the first the original philly fanatic correct
1: yeah i was and you know ironically again it was my father who provided that opportunity and how
0: what like so how does how do you build the character, right? Like we all I've known the Philly fanatic. I've gone to Philly's games when I was younger. I was scared of him because he's a big green, disgusting creature. And, you know, I wasn't a huge fan, but obviously he embodies the Philadelphia, uh, the city of Philly pretty well. We'll get to Gritty in a second. Don't worry. But like, what is what is that like? A, being told, hey, do you want to be a mascot? Because that's always just such a just it's just, just a weird place to be in. But B, not only being the mascot, being the first to be that mascot and needing to embody, embolden and, and create this character. I'm sure they gave you some points, but you kind of had to learn along the way, right?
1: Yeah. They didn't give me many points. <laughs> I, you know, my, my dad encouraged me to, you know, expand some of my thoughts about what I could do after college, help me get an internship in 76 and 77 with the Phillies. And after that, I'm like, I'd, I'd given up wanting to be a football coach. Cause I realized there was no, uh, there was no, um, I mean, yeah, you could get fired from any job, but in this case, I wouldn't, I could be working for my you know my major league team, so you know for the Giants. Can you imagine, you know, working for the Giants and that was your career? So I saw that as an opportunity. Um, and what happened was, and of course, what my dad taught me was, look, you know, uh, show them and show them you're valuable, and and you become valuable, and they will keep you. Uh, don't tell them, show them. This was all part of his upbringing. And so I went in there and just hustled around, uh, you know, cleaning toilets one day, taking the national anthem singer to up to the place mm-hmm. where they can get dinner afterwards. I was doing everything. And uh, so the third year, it was only supposed to be a two-year internship. So in 78, I thought they were gonna call me and say, David, graduate and come back and see us. Maybe we'll have something for you. And instead they called me and said, hey, you do you want your job back this summer for '70 or 78? Are you available? And I said, sure. He goes, can you stay for all the games? <laughs> That was the perk, right? You know, I could, and I could sit anywhere. You know, I could go and sit in the broadcast booth. I could sit behind home plate. You know, I had access to do it the way I wanted to. And I'm like, and then they said, we'll pay you to stay for the games. What do you want me to do? They said, go to New York and get fitted for the costume. (laughs) I started to complain a little bit. They said, we just go to New York and get fitted for the costume. Okay, fine. So I'm going to show them, right? And then, you know, through the course of that environment, which there were some amazing parts of that, um, you know, f- meeting the one of Jim Henson's original designers who was behind working with Bill Giles to come up with the first drawing of the Fanatic. And that's what I saw before the costume was completed. And I'm like, okay, looks great. I'm getting paid to be a Muppet. Yeah, this is gonna be awesome. You know, until I started to realize I was getting no direction the costume came on the first day I was supposed to wear it. And I realized, dude, you have no skill sets for this. What I mean, other than being an athlete when we could, you know, we can talk about how sports help, you know, create this personality. But I went to my boss and said, uh, costume fits me. You know, it's tonight. You haven't told me. What do you want me to do? And he he looked completely confused by the question, Bill Giles, who was the brilliant mind behind the fanatic. And he said, you know what, David, because he saw the fear come on, he said, just go have fun. If you're not having fun, the fanatic isn't going to be funny. And, and the fanatic has to be funny to work in front of our fans. So go yes. have fun. I go tearing out of his office and he screams at me. I mean, it was, it, I'm not lying. He yells at me as I'm going through his door because he sees he's told a college student he's getting paid and his job is to have fun. He goes, G-rated fun, G-rated fun. So the, that was the only box I was given. And it was enlightened leadership because they let me take it and go. And if there was something they were concerned about or they didn't like, they brought it up to me, but they never told me don't do that. They said, why are you doing it? And if I had a good answer for it and it fit within the parameters of G rated fund, they go, okay, we're supportive. You know, let's, let's go do this. And I, you know, I made some mistakes where they said, okay, we can't do that anymore. Um, And it was usually about potentially delaying the game or those types of things. But my, my product And the personality was all born out of my understanding about baseball players and the environment and the umpires. I knew who the authority figures were. I knew the flow of the game. I understood the emotion of playing baseball. And I I, I played at a high level in high school. We, We won the state championship at my high school. I was a pitcher. So I knew all of those things. And I just combined that with the passion of Philadelphia sports fans. And what was born is this personality that today, it's a billion dollar brand extension. And it continues to build new fans 43 years later um and 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 that personality was was authentic that's why it worked and leadership in philadelphia allowed it to grow and didn't you know truncate it didn't edit it uh work collaborated with a young 21 year old to help this thing you know be born and to thrive
0: yeah and that's the legacy you want to leave right hey i was able to hang out essentially at the baseball with the baseball team that I love and get to go. I I love how, I love how in the beginning you were saying, it's like, yeah, you can sit wherever you want. It's like, well, little did you know you were going to be in a costume the whole time. So that's kind of, yeah, that's why they weren't
1: telling me much.
0: Exactly. (laughs) No, but I, I love it. And again, you know, the Philly fanatic, I mean, if there's a more iconic mascot, I, Cannot think of one. The, the only other one that comes up now is Gritty, and we're going to talk about him a little bit later. So it says something about the city of Philadelphia. They got a statue for Rocky, they're known for their mascots. It is what it is.
1: But it's just one of those things okay. that, like, Michael, look, we we don't want this to go off the rails. I'm just right? gonna keep taking jabs. I give you three jabs. No, and no, no. no. I gotta have some time to to you know to talk about the den of iniquity north of us, you know, who who's you Are. Know, over, overcome with success and doesn't see their failings. We we don't we could have that conversation, but you know, let's
0: I'm willing to have I'm willing to have that conversation. But no, I think it's you know, and it is it's incredible how you've been able to how you were able to learn on the job, right? It's one of those things, as you said, it's like you need to know you have to have the information, the knowledge and the desire to understand what you're doing. But from there, have fun. And thankfully, again, this you didn't figure this out during the age of social media. You didn't figure this out during the age of camera phones where a couple of those things were going to get caught, put online, maybe make so- sports centers not top 10. Right.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and that is the beauty. And as you say, we'll talk about it, that one of the big success factors for Gritty and his meteoric rise was the social platforms that 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 they were aware of. And it, that's a, it's a wonderful story about collaboration as well. Yes. And again, we will get to that. So I guess with, after how many
0: years were you the Philly fanatic? And then eventually like, this is fun. Well,
1: Well, you know, I kind of got other things to do, right? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, um, I was with them for, you know, 16 years as the fanatic and the two, you know, interns, you know, almost 20 years and still very close with Philly's leadership. They're a client of mine as well. And, um, you know it it was always a family atmosphere and even with human resources and the way things have changed you know they still have been able to hold on to that family a- atmosphere that was really born from the carpenter family who owned the phillies and then sold to bill giles and his group and bill had all those same uh, you know connections about family and running a running a business like a family and and i that still has Held over through the myriad of uh, of changes, but the reason why I left Michael was because I was just like a, a professional athlete. I was getting paid because of a particular, uh, rare, relatively rare skill set that I had, you know, honed and and well over ten thousand hours of practice, as Malcolm Gladwell would, you know, place on an outlier. And um, by the time I got there, I wasn't doing any other work than being the fanatic. That was my job. Uh, 300 appearances a year, um, 40 or so out on the road to promote the Phillies brand, and then hundreds and of course 82 home games and hundreds and hundreds of local appearances that included funerals, um, which is a testament to how powerful fun can be and how it can be leveraged in any situation. It's universal, and that that's the billion dollar part of of this brand. So when I was fo- when I was looking at it, that I have to learn. Some other skill sets to be able to, you know, drive revenue for myself and my growing family. I realized I would rather do that on my own, as opposed to the Philly said, "Okay, Dave, thanks, wonderful job for the last 17, 18 years. Um, you know, now you get into our structure because i had grown out of their structure, and we're going to pay you X, and you're going to do this." I-, I may have been blissfully happy with that option, but I had no control over my salary. The entrepreneurial uh, opportunity was gave me much more potential. So I wanted to figure out how I could earn money and drive revenue without having to be a performer. and and that's why I left. and I left in great relationship with the Phillies. they helped me. they supported me. Um, those connections helped me fund my new business. Um, and it, it was um, it's it was a great seamless um, transmission of power and I had a young man named Tom Burgoyne who continues to be one of my best friends who was going to be the new best friend of the Fanatic, and it was it was really uh, a, a great opportunity for me. And other than the fact that I miss the connection to Philadelphia fans, I still have it because I am a fan, but I had this amazing connection that I had to, in essence, give up some of that. Um, but it's been repaid by running to fans every single day. Hey, you, you, oh my gosh, this, I met you when I was in diapers, you know, you've entertained my kids. And, you know, so that, that love, that undying beloved feeling will always remain. And uh, so it was a wonderful chance for me. And it did lead me on to, I think, bigger and better things in terms of how I can affect people.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the more important part, right? Like you understand, what you were able to do and while you did it for a very long time as you said you got those 10,000 hours you were then able to kind of connect the dots and figure out well I have this particular set of skills how do I use them in a similar yet different way to affect my life to affect my family's life to affect even more people's lives than just as and you know we put just in quotes because being if I'm sure being a mascot as you said 300 appearances a year It's a lot of appearances. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of going on the road. And and while it sounds great to work at a baseball game, when your team, any team, not going to pick on the Phillies here, but any team in August that's 15 games below 500. And okay, where's the fun coming from, guys? Like, what are we doing? What are we excited about today? So it it does definitely get difficult. Baseball is, is absolutely a grind. And so when you make, when you decide to venture onto this entrepreneurial journey of yours, what was the basis of that? I know it was fun, but what did you what what did you learn as the fanatic that allowed you to say, "Okay, well now because I was the fanatic and I understand character building and all this, now I can go help whoever with whatever." Like who yeah. is the who and what is the what?
1: Well, the the first the first inkling uh, that started the idea of what I could do Was the fact that I was traveling around the country and in the beginning entertaining at affiliate minor leagues of the Phillies. Um, And if you know anything about minor league sports, it isn't about the wins and losses. People don't even get to know the players very well. It's about providing entertainment that is family fun and affordable. So they didn't care where the fun came from. They Mm -hmm. don't care if they were entertaining, having another brand to entertain their fans. As long as that brand could entertain their fans, that's all they cared about. So the Fanatics started doing appearances all over the country at minor league baseball games at every level, with different affiliated teams, and then later on unaffiliated minor league teams. Um, and I was surprised that oh, you're going to let the fanatic wearing a Phillies jersey in your environment when you were owned by the Mets. I mean, we we did the New York Penn League up and down and all over, and they're all. Yankees and Mets fans and they and they loved it that's why I go, go Michael the uh, one of the comments I go when I talk about New York fans I go hey listen let's not let's be honest you were the first one to said get over here and take a picture with my kids now get the heck out of my way you know because mm-hmm. if you could affect somebody's kids in a positive way did they, they crossed all kinds of political barriers and fandom to get that moment with their kids so that was the next uh, concept was okay Entertainment is entertainment and people need it and want it. So we're going to create a character that can entertain and I'm going to continue to entertain, but I'm going to own the rights to the character. But the next thought was, well, why is it so good? And that's when I started deconstructing. This is what certainly led to the power fund fun was, you know, people look at a mascots and certain cases don't give them the value that they deserve. What mascots do is they, you look at, you look at Apple, you look at this and I'm a, a certified, Apple uh, geek because it feels good. I have an emotional connection to this device and that's what Apple did better than anybody. The fanatic creates emotional bonds. These are bonds that are a time when you snap a photograph, you know, back when you printed them and now digitally, and you will proudly show the picture. Look, this is when we met the fanatic and he did this with my kid. He turned me up, turned him upside down and that was the picture and they will remember these moments forever. That is golden in terms of brand and marketing and rising above the noise so i was going to harness that and i was going to you know the next generation of my business was to show other people how they could harness that and that's what led to great success from the character branding realm first i just wanted to own the rights to the character then i recognized um, the deconstruction gave a process that could make people build brands that rose above the noise and become their own you know, million or billion dollar brand extension. And we knew the process. We knew how to do it right. And having fun was at the core of that. And uh, and that's what we've been doing ever since.
0: I mean, you were the original, right? Like, and that's how and that's why and you did it for so long. You saw the process play out, especially over over 18 years, 16 years, whatever that number was it was pretty impressive. And obviously we've said it a couple of times now, but you had a pretty big hand in the creation of the character Gritty who if anybody doesn't know who Gritty is, I guess you just don't go on the internet during the hockey season because Gritty is is hilariously and lovingly the most polarizing mascot and figure. Like it's it's this weird thing. It's ugly. It's hideous. It's supposed to be ugly. It's supposed to be hideous. It embodies that trash heap that Philadelphia is, which I think is fantastic. And they, you did such an incredible job. I love Gritty. I think it's incredible. And I also love... The interactions that he has online, like in the most tongue in cheek, sarcastic way possible, it is so incredibly perfect. What goes into creating that character? And I guess at what point was someone like, Hey, you might be going a little too far with this? You're like, No, 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 we can push this (laughs) further.
1: Well, listen, there. And on a side note, we just uh, signed up to do uh, an interactive event on Facebook. For the gritty fan club, there's 11,000 members. Oh my goodness. And we're getting an enormous amount of uh, positive feedback to register for that, you know, that time when we're gonna get together and tell what I'm gonna share a little bit with you. But you know, the, the Flyers got in touch with me a year or so before they actually pulled the trigger. It was Joe Heller, um, who now uh, runs uh, a lot of the marketing development for the Philadelphia Visitors Convention Bureau. So so he's got a huge uh, struggle ahead of him, but he's doing well there. Good friend of mine. Um, uh, I knew him because he knew a, a best friend of mine that ran Dover Motor Speedway. It just shows you how sports connects. Mm-hmm. And he said, look, we want you to help us. We're not sure when it's going to happen. Can you do this? I said, sure. And I explained to him my process was immersive. That we, The first thing we're going to do is we're going to have a mascot intervention. We're going to sit down and talk about how the steps you need to take that you can't ignore to take uh, to be successful and the things you should not spend time on. Uh, And here and we follow that process. And with your with your agreeing to immerse yourself in it, you're going to give me the knowledge that you have about branding and marking Flyers hockey. And that collaboration will produce great results. I had no idea we were going to have the results we had, but it was due in large part to leadership, young leadership with the Flyers. Um, And Sean Tilger, who was the the president at the time, uh, unbeknownst to me, he was driving the thought that, hey, look, we're building new Flyers fans. We're no longer missing the opportunity to build Flyers fans, that's why we're doing this. But it needs to be authentic to our brand. And that was what I talked about in the beginning. Storytelling, storytelling, authentic storytelling. So you can answer the question, why? Because we could recreate the fanatic and your fans are gonna say, why? And they'll be very passionate about wanting to know why. And if you can't answer it authentically and it looks like a marketing ploy, they're gonna dismiss you and it's gonna hurt. That's the only type of danger that we have. We wanna be authentic. So from the top down it was, look, I don't want kids to run and hug this guy. They might high five him, but I don't care if he scares kids a little bit, which was Mm -hmm. counterintuitive to the whole idea of building young Flyers fans. So uh, that was the marching orders. And when we had that meeting, I said, look, they're going to hate it. Universally, they're going to hate it. We just need to answer the question why. So let's tell the story. And that's what they did. And then they had two uh, young women who are still with the Flyers who were just outstandingly talented on social media. And then the performer that I brought into play and and had him be interviewed and then got the job to be the performer was also excellent because I'd been with this kid since he graduated from Rutgers, got him a couple of jobs. Uh, I, I didn't get him the job. I opened up an opportunity. He got the job because he's talented. And um, then he collaborated with those two young ladies, and they still do that today. That's why his social media presence is so remarkable. It's just awesome. I've, his stuff during the pandemic is legendary. If you want to boost, go watch some of Gritty's posts in March, April, and May. It, they're just phenomenal. And, and it's I get chills when I talk about it because of how talented they are. And we get the benefit of that talent because we get the the success occurs and say, oh, they talked to Raymond Entertainment. They talked to Dave, the original fanatic, and he followed the process. All of that's true. I will take the credit where it's due. But the meteoric rise became uh, because of the collaboration we had and their fearlessness to put their brand out there and potentially hurt the brand. They relied on me and they trusted me to say, don't worry, you know, continue to be fearless. If we do it this way and this authentic story goes through, it's gonna work. And then social media lit the fire. Mm-hmm. I mean, Antifa hijacked a picture of Gritty and made it look like he was strangling Trump. And that was going about their, their violent yeah. I got a call from the the version of NPR in Canada, and they wanted me to comment on what a character that I helped create is now being hijacked by a radical and I said, "Wait, whoa, whoa! This got nothing to do with politics, okay? The the flyers aren't sending lawyers out to try to find out who from Antifa took and abused the image. It's noise. This is about Flyers hockey. It's about building Flyers fan and whatever else anybody else does. That that's on them. You know, it's I'm not commenting politically on it. It was I when I was having that interview. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm going to step into it now because I, I have to avoid that type of discussion because it's got nothing to do with our success."
0: Yeah, that's that's just kind of that is noise. That's 100% noise. But man, if, if there was a mascot to do something along those lines, it, it's got to be gritty. Right? And that's why it's funny. And, and you're 100% right. The social media stuff is, it is so incredible the, the way how quick and, and shout out to that team over there, those two ladies that you were mm-hmm. talking about. And obviously, the, the, the gentleman who performs. It's, it's so spot on.
1: Yeah, I, and I've it, never. It 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 it, the brand is so perfect. And and Michael, it's a talent because oh I know God. even though I teach some of this, you know, some of the stuff and social media is brought up, you know, I'm I'm am I'm a mouthpiece for all the basic things you know, you know, consistency, authentic. Um, you know, you, you want to capitalize on pop culture and you know the Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. meme now. You you know, you gotta jump on those things, you gotta be quick, you gotta be agile. And I know all that, but you know, I have a social media presence, which I think I do a decent job, but man oh man, I'd like to have you know, those two ladies running my social media, I'd be better. Um, and, and that's what I love about working with talented people because the output is so multiplied so much higher. And that's why collaboration is about putting your ego aside, opening your ears and listening to everybody in the room. Um, and, and I'll tell you that, that we were doing designs that was getting a lot of traction with the committee. But and and I got to be friends and continue to be friends with Sean after this. Sean kept going, eh? It's not ugly enough, you know. It's not scary enough. But we were hitting the note with the rest of the group. But he he wanted what he wanted. So uh, Joe came to me and said, "Look, your designs are great." And I have a wonderful designer who's very talented. Said, "Can we bring in some other thoughts?" I go, "Yeah, this isn't about whether you know we do the design." And they brought in Brian from Flyland Designs, and we looked at his stuff. And within a minute, I'm like, "Oh, that's that's it." And of course, it it appealed to Sean, and that became you know so technically Raymond Entertainment didn't design it. We I think we inspired the process and and knew you've got to like this. If you don't like it and your group doesn't like it, then it's not going to work. And, and we were listening to the story and the story was about a troll, you know, that lived under the stadiums for all these years and got tired of all the changes and started defacing the property to, to, you know, protest the changes. Let's just go play hockey, you know, stop making these changes. And that's when they found him. So he looks like a troll, doesn't he? That's why his eyes are so wide because he hasn't seen the sunlight for most of his life. And it, you know, but all of the all of the underpinnings of powerful fun are what made this work, and that's fearless. It takes a lot of um, uh, strength and confidence to go and make fun of your brand because a character is doing that. You know, it's it's kind of a laying bare your insecurities and your failures. Uh, You know, the Broad Street Bullies was not a complete failure, but it eventually got weaned out of hockey. So they had to change, but they still, that's part of who they are. So I I just, I can't speak more highly on the collaboration between Raymond Entertainment and the Flyers organization, because that was, that is the main responsibility for the success is collaboration.
0: Yeah. And I mean, taking that step as the flyers, as you said, you're really putting yourself out there because if it's not appreciated and it's not liked it, the internet's going to hammer it. But thankfully, again, you have the incredible social presence. You had the, 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 design is perfect and it really does embody the city of Philadelphia. I know I say mean things, but I can't think of a more perfect embodiment of Philly than, than that. Yeah. And, we, troll. And, it's perfect. and believe
1: it or not, we can, we can do it. Uh, we could do it for New York. Um, Mr. I, Met's fine. Yeah, he's I, flipping love people, people off I love Mr. So that's like that's perfect. He's flipping everybody off. How New York is that? Yeah, he's. Like, I, listen, he's in the mask Hall of Fame, so I'm not unhappy with, uh, with Mr. Met. But I think you know, the Yankees and, and the Giants, we could do the same thing because it it really is about this authentic storytelling. So you know all that um, all that success that the New York brands, sports brands, have uh, seen, other than the Nets, uh, and looks like that might be changing. But you know they've experienced all this success and the Knicks, you know, they, they all have success in their history. So there would be some of that, you know, smug brashness that you'd have to capture and, and you could do it. It just, it requires, you know, commitment. And, and I, I know the Yankees are having difficulty committing when they feel like they have a brand that doesn't need help.
0: So yeah, I, um,
1: I hate the Yankees, so that they're they're
0: <laughs> never gonna do that. I love the Giants, but they're the same kind of that old school. Like, no, we're two, we're above everything. Shut up, we're here to have fun. Sports, <laughs> guys. Like, well, that's on. our
1: main. That's our yeah. main
0: complaint about New York too. So we're aligned. Yeah. There. Can't really blame you for that one. Um. So so with this, right? You you also decided well, let me write a book. And I actually did the same thing. So let me promo my book. Then you can promo yours. You yeah, can get mine for 99 cents on Amazon, winning in sports business. All these incredible interviews that I've done, been able to go back, take from some of them, uh, have some incredible guests on there. Check it out. 99 cents. Shoot me a DM. I'll give you the dollar. You can go buy it. You get a penny. And a um, <laughs> I'll, make you,
1: you, I'll make you, uh, you can, I'll send you mine. You send me yours. How's that?
0: Deal. Yeah. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. I appreciate that, Dave. So So tell me a little bit about yours. The power of fun. What was the inspiration to write this book and and why did you decide?
1: It took a while. It took me like a whole year to write the thing. So it's it's a commitment. Well, my my path was about five years because I'm not a writer and people kept saying you need to write a book. I'm sure that you've had people. It, that's part of everybody's inspiration to write a book is because somebody says, wait, well, oh my gosh, you're back. You should write a book. So I started toying around with the idea and I started collecting stories because that's, I was speaking, I've been speaking in front of groups for, you know, 30 years, but I didn't really have a formulation of, of what I was speaking about. I was just talking about how great it was to be the fanatic and, um, and people enjoyed that. Um, and I got paid and that was all good, but I wasn't focused on it being a business and I wasn't focused on a specific message other than sharing stories. So I started collecting those stories, but you know, I I ran in some really difficult times in my life. Um, my mom died of cancer at the age of fifty nine, um, eight months of, uh, of of suffering from brain cancer. My marriage fell apart just two weeks after my mom passed, and I had I had gone and people, especially now, can relate to this: the struggle with psychology and the struggle with making bad decisions uh, is when you get into a helplessness phase. And psychology, in the, for the most part, in the up until the eighties was about making the miserable less miserable, so they were out of helplessness and wouldn't make those bad decisions. Well, I had gone down into helplessness and I saw firsthand how easy it is to make a bad decision. But I was performing as the fanatic at the same time and thinking about how I had to stop making appearances because how could I be a clown and be effective when I was suffering so mightily? And then I realized that when I would do appearances as the fanatic, that those times would make me feel better. And I, in deconstructing it, I found that a little bit of this every day is what really uh, ends up giving you the ability to come out of helplessness. And then the same process is to thrive in life. So as I deconstructed this, I had more passion to write this book because I had something to say that I thought would be good for everybody as opposed to just entertaining them which is part of my job as a speaker, but I want the message to come through. And so it, it, it is about four uh, steps in a process uh, to leverage fun, uh, to be more accomplished in your work, to make stronger connections with, with your employees and your boss, but how about with the people that you love the most? And it can save your life there is abs it saved my life. So what that gave was not only a passion to write the book, but a purpose. And I got a hold who I'm not allowed to name his name. Uh, I wish I could. I got a hold of a sports writer in Philadelphia who I'm good friends with. And uh, he said, I'll help you. I can't, I can't be your ghost writer because of conflicts in my contract and reporting. But I can help you. And he used to be an English, he wanted to be an English teacher and he ended up a sports writer. We sat down and all those pages I had written. I had a manuscript that was about 290 pages long. We condensed it to about 150 pages. And he would take a page and and I thought I had written it well and he'd condense it into three sentences. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how can you do that? And I actually learned a lot about writing. And I can't wait for the next because I, I have a leadership book that I would like to write. Um, and I, I think that's going to come uh, sooner than later because I, I appreciated the book. And then what I did was I didn't want to line Jeff Bezos' pockets anymore. So I self-published, but I did it for myself. I've got a wonderful company called Accutrack that does all my on-demand printing, and it's only available at DaveRaymondSpeaks.com. And as soon as I changed it and got it off of Amazon and put it um, you know, over on my site, our, my sales went up. And it obviously is wonderful for my audiences as a take-home version of my keynote speech. So it really is a a, a wonderful asset to have for speaking. Uh, but it it also is was a passion play, and I'm very proud of it. And it wouldn't have been that way without my collaboration again with the sports writer, who unfortunately has to be re, remain unnamed. But I continue to buy him dinner and drinks as much as I can. So there
0: you go. I'm sure he gets a lot out of it too but I think it's incredible again you know going through the process of writing a book uh, I worked with a hybrid publisher, so it definitely helped a lot. So they had the editors and a lot of people to help because, yeah, I'm not a writer either. I'm a talker, and I'm totally cool with that. The problem is I write the way I talk. So those no, run-on run sentences get pretty long, and they're like, what are you doing? Like, you, and you're like, like wow, that's a really yeah.
1: great story, isn't but it? But yeah,
0: exact same thing. It's like, no, we could take, like, 18 sentences, make it like, four, and look, now we actually have, like, a point to look at. So yeah. uh, same process happened with me, which was kind of nice, and I, I think it ended up being pretty good, obviously looking back, I'm sure you have the same things like, well, kind of wish this was a little different, kind of wish that was a little different, but it's going to happen. I don't care. I'm going to author. Now it sounds cool. One more time. Where can everybody find your book?
1: At Dave It's, oh. uh, and you can get it personalized and get one of our, our signature uh, lapel mm-hmm. pins, which is the, the exclamation mark at the back end of uh, the power of fun logo. And it is green fur. So we, We always want to hearken back to, we learned this from the fanatic, but the process is so much more powerful than, uh, than just antics on a sports field. And it's about, it's about saving your life. And I, 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 I've lived it and I believe it. And that's what I preach is, is, and it doesn't cost anything to follow this process. It costs nothing. It is, it's an effort, a difficult effort in changing habits, uh, but it doesn't cost any money.
0: Well, I'm very excited to read that. And anybody else, I will make sure if you didn't get it either time, he said it. I'm going to make sure that's in the show notes. If you're listening that way, you can check it out. Go grab a book. That's always fun. And then, as you said, you, you, you were always talking in front of people, but now when you kind of put your thoughts together, now you're speaking in front of people, right? And you kind of have that understanding of what you're going in with, why you're going in with it. You have your keynotes, you have your long addresses. I'm sure you have your open forums. What was it about the opportunity to speak and, and. Not everybody likes to read, but everybody can pretty much listen at this point. So kind of being able to get your message across in a different medium, how how are you able to take advantage of that and start? Because as I told you, I'm actually trying to get into speaking with the book that I have winning in sports business, only a dollar on Amazon, whatever you can. You know, I want to take that information for people and go and share it because I talk to some of the most amazing people on planet Earth and I want to share their stories with others. My story is okay, Upper middle class kid from the suburbs, whatever. I connect with some people, not that many but i want to become a speaker so now i'm asking you how'd you do it so i can follow in your
1: footsteps well let me tell you something you you do have a story to tell and that's that's all you need to do as a speaker is figure out what that is um i wasn't treating it like a business i you know i uh, whatever the budget was you know i went and did a talk cuz i loved doing it it was it was uh, enjoyable for me and then i saw that the stories really entertain people but now that this message came across i said i um as i learned in in some of my speaker training which i'm going to promote uh, you know, this outlet that is just so amazing and been so helpful for me is your goal is to make your audience think, act, and feel differently. And, and that is all, and you are in service of that audience. So if you've told a story for a hundred years and you love telling it, but it's not getting a response from the audience, you have to, as they say, kill your babies, you know, you got to let them go. And so I learned all this first by looking at the business angle of how do I run a speakers business and I followed Jane Atkins online she's a wonderful speaker coach um, focused a lot on on women speakers but she her information is golden and I went to her seminar I met a couple of high-level speakers Ryan Estes and Kendra Hall who I've stayed in touch with and I really focused on well, how do I run this like a business and as an entrepreneur it's great to reset and start a new business and finally take all of those mistakes I made with my previous business and businesses and put it, uh, you know, leverage it to really do this the right way. So I came home, this was almost uh, four years ago, this coming up November. And it was just so inspiring for me. And then I went and started building all the assets, the website, the T's reel. And I'd done a lot of speaking, so I had myself on camera a lot. And um, and that's an ongoing process to make it better. And I think we're probably I'd say a B minus with all of our assets combined. And I'm and I'm pushing to get it to an A plus, which requires more opportunities and, and whatever. And I was shooting for large conferences and events. And then I went to Heroic Public Speaking in Lambertville. Michael and Amy Port have this most amazing program there. And I did their core class. And as soon as we get back to live, I'm going to go back to the Lambertville Studios and work on a graduate level course with them. They're phenomenal. So it was, again, collaboration, finding people that knew more about it with me, talking to other speakers. But the beauty was that I had all these reps honing the concept. And now I had a message. So I reformatted the talk. Uh, put it together into this four-step process. It's it's ended up in training, some personal development training we've been doing, and and it's just phenomenal. I'm I'm not excited about the training as I am about the keynote speaking, but the training is really powerful as well, and we've just rolled that out in the last six months to some you know some great success. So I'm sure we'll you know we'll be focusing continue continue on that. But um, I'm speaking in front of Invocare, a, a global. Medical supply company on February and March. I'm speaking to the Club Management Association of America, and one of my fellow keynotes is Jim Kelly, who I'm a big fan of and followed him through his struggles, um, and and you know just just having this opportunity virtually to do it has really inspired me to say we can you know, move through the pandemic and do this, but I can't wait to get in front of people live again. So a lot of hard work that continues, a lot of investment in technology so that we can broadcast better, virtual studio that I've just rolled out with a my producer can remotely connect. So you'll never see me go, okay, let me go to my slides. Okay, let me go to the, uh, the video, which can be forgiven now. But as we move forward in this, with this idea of virtually Uh, connecting with higher technology, it's not going to be forgiven very long for presenters to be distracted and to distract the audience with those types of things. So highly produced virtual events is where we're headed. And um, I can't wait. I mean, it's just so much fun to do. And we've got you know, we have options where I just, you know, uh, uh, crash onto a video call. Um, We have kind of cameo recorded options where I'll record a message, which is surprisingly to me has become a popular rollout and a a fireside chat, a podcast style conversation in front of leadership or employees where I tell the fun stories, but the message comes out. So virtually has been a boom for us. And uh, but I do want to get back live in front of people soon.
0: Virtual is fun. But yeah, I miss shaking hands, kissing babies, doing all that stuff. That was a lot of fun. But Dave, this was uh, incredible. I am so excited to stay in contact with you over the coming years. So that way I can kind of, you know, I'm only a few years behind you in the speaking tour. So hopefully your knowledge can help me accelerate a little bit. Excited to read your book one more time. Where can everybody find that? At DaveRaymondSpeaks.com. And that's where
1: you can find all about our virtual options as well as live keynotes
0: look at that Dave Raymond speaks.com again it's going to be in the show notes but Dave sincerely this was amazing Dave Raymond Raymond entertainment author of the power of fun speaker and trainer and the original Philly fanatic and the creator the essence the inspiration behind that disgusting troll gritty. really appreciate your time today Dave thank you so much
1: uh, my pleasure Michael thank you so much I appreciate it bye everybody
0: I know yeah.